0: Okay, next time I'm like really freaking mad at someone, I'm just going to pay for their meal and see how they like it. I mean, I hope you get mad at me. Hey guys, I'm Alon.
1: And I'm David. Welcome to I Finally Watched, where we talk about movies that at least one of us has never seen before. And today, I finally watched Cape Fear.
0: It's funny, um, watching this now, and from the first time I saw this, and I was very little. I must have been like 10 years old. I'm like, what? the hell was i doing viewing this movie at 10 years old i mean there's a lot of like really like messed up crap in this movie de niro bites a lady's face off well i mean and rapes her and breaks her arm and like but he bit her face off okay yes he bit her face off but you know it's funny because okay it's not funny it's odd because Growing up, having watched this movie, I only remember the ending scene where, where uh, they're in the boathouse, which makes me think, because I know I must've watched this when it was on television. Like it must've been showing on television. I was at like a beach hotel with my parents and they left uh, to have dinner, like just the two of them and I didn't wanna go or I wasn't allowed to go. It was like a fancy restaurant. I don't know. And uh, I stayed home and I was like, I'll just watch TV while they have dinner or whatever. And then this, this movie was on TV and because we were at like the beach and then the ending scene uh, in the boathouse, I was like super scared. (laughs) Like the rest of the night. Obviously I have
1: never seen this. However, I was a big Simpsons fan as a kid. And the Simpsons did a parody episode of this movie that is not shot for shot, but really follows the plot of it. Um, with sideshow Bob trying to kill Bart and them him following him to like a, a boathouse and all that. So <laughs> I felt not that I had seen the movie, but I had a good grasp of, of where it was going. And they obviously they also used like the score like the song that they use when when Max is around, like the, the horns that come in and just like that that ominous haunting music. So that was my only knowledge of this movie was The Simpsons.
0: I'm curious too, because there's a lot of... Uh, so this movie, it's a thriller, like a, a psychological thriller, but it also has a whole bunch of hor- uh, horror elements into it too and um sitting down i was like i wonder how scary this is like is it nightmare on elm street scary or is it like seven scary you know where like the psychology is is uh more frightening than any of the actual killing and i I, it's a type of movie that begins where It's the buildup, the psychological buildup, I feel outweighs the payoff in like the actual hunting this family down. The buildup was scarier to me. Well, I think Scorsese combined a lot of elements because you have
1: like the classic movie trope of like the main character not being believed and he's obviously in the right, but things keep happening where like he tries to get a restraining order on Max and Max is able to get a restraining order on him. He tells his daughter to stay away from him. And then his daughter almost kind of falls in love with Max for a little while. Um, And so he, he has that, those elements in it, but then also just the horror, almost sort of slasher elements of when Max attacks that um, the woman that uh, the main character, Nick Nolte is like, not having an affair with, but sort of having an affair of the mind with, I guess you could say. And so it's just, it combines all these elements very, very greatly to me. Um, and that that's what I think stuck with me is how it, it's, it's a classic. I think it's a horror movie that's in the classic sense, not a horror movie that you would see today with like a lot of gore, even though there was, but just like Scorsese, I think was going for a classic horror movie.
0: Yeah. No, definitely. And, and you get a lot of, uh, so you've never seen a David Lynch film. Um, and I know we were talking about this earlier, but you have a lot of David Lynch, uh, feels in this, in this film, a lot of like, um, blue velvet twin peaks sort of vibe. And, and, not saying that they're bad, because like Lynch, Sc- uh, Scorsese, they're amazing directors. But watching it now in this like day and age, a lot of their stuff comes off as, I would say, cheesy. You know what I mean? Like in the beginning, there were definitely some cheesy moments where they're not. So just like a little backstory, and I
1: was just watching this to watch it because it was a Scorsese movie on Netflix that I'd never seen.
0: Yeah, we're and basically. I- We're basically doing this episode completely by accident. Yeah, because I
1: told you I watched it, and you're like, oh, well, I've already seen it. I was like, I didn't know that. And when I first watched it, and you're like, oh, we could do an episode on it, I was like, yeah, I guess. That was pretty, it it was a good movie, very, like, very intense. And, you know, I might have even agreed with you a little bit that some of the elements are cheesy, but watching it back again, like, I was able to see a lot more of the details and kind of what... I think he was going for because a lot of what you would call cheesy I think he was doing as an homage and I I appreciated it watching it the second time as not cheesy but just like you know this is how movies were made it I think it worked really well because you know Mm -hmm. for one example the the horror moments in the movie weren't just with when Max was in you know in the picture Um, at one point he's calling the lady that uh, was raped by Max his friend that's in the hospital And he's talking to her and then you see his wife in the windows and she lights up and then he notices her and he, you know, ends the conversation very quickly. And that was like, that's like a classic horror element right there that I think works really well. And so I, you could say it's cheesy, but I think he was just trying to do this movie in sort of a unique way that and maybe even in 91, it wasn't really an homage. It's just sort of still how horror was done a little bit, but I was only like four at the time, but it was, I think, upon rewatch, like, I really enjoyed the way he filmed it. There were just some elements, like, every time he, you see the uh, Nick Nolte's house, the sky is, like, a different dark brooding <laughs> color that's, like, completely unnatural. Yeah. And so, you know, I loved it.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's definitely good. Um, I think when doesn't sound like that's what you're saying so okay 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 well i mean like kind of it falls into it falls into the category of like that early 90s editing um where you know they can just completely fill an entire scene with one color uh what comes to mind is like in goodfellas where in the beginning the brake light of the car fills the scene with red which actually happens here in Cape Fear in the beginning, um, not by anything natural, purely by editing, but you know, when Juliette Lewis's character is talking to the camera and it like gets really close on her eyes and then it turns stark red and then like inverse black and white.
1: No. Yeah. That's my part of my favorite part of this movie. Cause she does that weird opening and then the red, and then it pans to the jail cell of Max and plays like, I mean, the, the most classical part about this movie is that song every time Max is on camera. But yeah, so I love that opening.
0: Now I'm curious because you said you saw basically a parody of it via Simpsons episode. What did they pull from it? Let me, let me do this. I want to guess which scenes kind of was parodied, okay? Uh, was him sitting on the fence while the fireworks were like going off behind him and they like peek out the window and he's like he's there was that no no, no oh. but one thing
1: when i saw that scene especially upon rewatch um that there's like a very similar scene in gangs in new york it's probably like it's one of those like famous cinematographic shots from gangs in new york where bill the butcher is walking through and the fireworks burst above him and the shots from below and that shot is very similar. The shots from below with Katie on the fence and then just the big end bang of the fireworks, it would seem, because the sky is lit up with fireworks. And that shot, I think, is very similar um,
0: mm-hmm. in Gangs New York. You know, when, when they shoot, when they're low like that and they shoot up at a character, it, it's a position of power. So when the character is higher it gives this feeling like this character is in power. This character has control. And I, I like that there because it felt very much, most of the time throughout the film, that Max Cady had all the power over that entire family.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, he, as he was saying, he's like, I'm smarter than you. I've been studying this for, you know, I've been in jail for 14 years. I've been studying this for, for you know, most of that time. And he also, a little bit in certain situations, just kind of gets, gets lucky because he, you know, he, he rapes that woman and Nick Nolte's character is like, oh, well, he knew that she wasn't going to talk because she knows how the system works and that she's basically going to be put on trial, which is, you know, is how it worked in court. It's kind of, it was a very interesting commentary on how, like, you know people victims of rape like are put on trial more than the perpetrator. But it's like he also kinda got lucky there because she could have just been of the of the type of person that's like, no, I'm gonna put this guy in jail. And then also he gets a little lucky in that Nick Nolte hires those guys to beat him up and then that sort of gets the restraining order and then sets the whole ABA bar disbarment uh, proceedings in place. And so he was in control, but also just had some things work in his favor that, you know, he didn't necessarily know he was going to get, but yeah, the entire time he knows how uh, Nick Nolte is going to work and is able to anticipate it and use it to his advantage. Yeah. Um, He he also, you know, there's other things too that he, he presents as sort of ethical quandaries throughout, like Nick Nolte is talking um, with the PI who hired, which by the way, that PI seems really horrible at his job. Um, That's another non sequitur I don't have to get into but he's talking about you know man I don't know if I can kill this guy even though this guy is clearly trying to ruin his life and probably murder him you can assume I mean I I think we know that because we're watching a movie and we know that that's ultimately what it's coming to maybe as the character he's like maybe this guy's just screwing with me but you would have to imagine in the back of his head he thinks Max Cady wants to murder him and so he's having this ethical dilemma of should – can I murder this guy if he comes into my house? That's premeditated, even though in the eyes of the law, if someone breaks into your house, you know, you have the right to self-defense. And, you know, so the big payoff in the end of this is Max Cady is, tie, is you know, handcuffed to something and his head is on the ground. And Nick Nolte pu- picks up this huge rock and is about to bust his head in. And you think you're going to get this payoff of like, well, he's decided he has to murder him. And then the water rushes him away. And then you just see him slowly drown. And I do love, I love Nick Nolte just watching to make sure like, is this guy dead? Like, I have to watch him go under and make sure he dies. But you get that, that ethical dilemma taken away from you of like, because he was going to murder him. And I guess that's maybe the point of he was going to do it, but we don't have to see him go through with it. It's it's enough to know that he had gotten to the point where he was willing to commit murder in self-defense. And, you know, with yeah. all the facts, it might not have been considered self-defense, but he was willing to do that at this point. He got to the point of, I need to end this guy's life to save myself and my family.
0: Yeah, and I think really Max Cady puts Nick Nolte's character through a lot of... uh self-discovery, almost driving him to the point of, you know, um, it it reminded me a lot like in The Dark Knight where the Joker is like to Batman, you have to break your one rule. You're gonna have to kill me if you want this to stop and drives him to this point where it just feels like, well, damn, he's just gonna have to do it, you know? Uh, And the fact that in a way, Max Katie got what he wanted. He got Nick Nolte to kind of confess to himself that, yeah, I have the capability of murder.
1: He he does a lot of things in this movie to make things very tense. He does a lot of shots that are, you know, homages maybe to past horror movies. This one one minor scene, but I thought was very interesting, was the nolte just brushing his teeth and the way it's shot to where his wife uh jessica lang is just in the mirror too next to him and this, her smile throughout the movie is like so like toothy and kind of creepy and like there's there's some elements of like she's sort of horrifying in the movie a little bit like in their relationship is another element of that horror but like that scene really stuck with me when i was watching it and so many of the other ways he sh- shot this movie kind of the the fast pan-ins on people's faces. Um, that the way the way he did this movie, you could say was maybe a little a little hokey, I guess, but it I think it really adds to the horror of it. it and the the most horrific scene, one of to me, was the scene where De Niro calls um, his daughter Danielle and tells her to meet him at the theater that he's the drama teacher. And that entire scene, you're on edge. Like, what is he going to do something to her? You know, it seems because he was, he was uh, accused of raping a 16-year-old. And, and uh, Nick Nolte's daughter, Danielle, is about 15. She's 15, about to turn 16. And so that whole scene, the whole time, you know, he says, I'm not going to do anything to her once she figures out who he is. That whole time, you're just like, you know, he's got her there. What is he, what is he going to do? And so that's, to me, like one of the most intense scenes of the movie.
0: Yeah, that scene, like I was into this movie, you know, I was on the edge of my seat watching this movie and that scene turned so uncomfortable that I took my phone from my pocket and I just started kind of fiddling with, you know, whatever text message I had because I just kind of wanted to be out of there. <laughs> it, it is incredibly uncomfortable and that kiss and like the fingers in the mouth, ugh, ugh. You know. Were you mimicking it? Thanks. No, I was gagging.
1: Yeah, but- no, super uncomfortable and so tense. The the other thing I really liked about this movie, you know, I keep I keep harping on the fact that you know the classical horror setup of this, but or the the classical horror elements of the movie, but the setup is also so classical too. Like you see it in movies all the time. There's this protagonist. This bad guy is after him. And the protagonist thinks well the only reason he could be after me is because of this one thing but there's no way he could know this one thing and so it doesn't make sense that he's after me mm-hmm. and then invariably the bad guy always knows that one thing and of course that is why he is after him
0: and it's, just, well, it's like- just like it's so interesting because he's like the only way he would know this one thing is if he learned to read Wow. Right. Geez, I wonder what he's been doing for the last 14 years, you know? Right. I like, I like when he,
1: he's in the car and he's like, I started with a C spot run and then it's mostly law books after that.
0: <laughs> now I have to say like how we're introduced to Katie um, or better yet, when we first see the scene, when, when Max Katie and Nick Nolte's family family um, are together in the movie theater and, you know, he's, sitting there very boisterous and loud, smoking a cigar and laughing like a freaking hyena at this film while the family is sitting like two rows behind him. And I think I saw, I like have a subconscious memory of that uh, scene when I was little, because I think I told myself to, understand the movie and what was going on because they found it like rude and they got up and left the theater because of his obnoxiousness and and cigar smoke he thought that was rude and so that's why he started hunting them down and killing them or attempting to kill them and it's just kind of funny how like how you interpret things when you're a little kid, especially like a super heavy movie like this. That scene was in the Simpsons. The, the movie theater scene? Yeah.
1: Now, Sideshow Bob was smoking. So. <clears throat> I can,
0: I can, I can, I can imagine that T- twice in the film, Max Katie does something that I would just call the biggest freaking power move. Um, in the beginning of the film, after the movie theater, they're going out for ice cream, and Nick Nolte goes to pay, and the cashier at the ice cream uh, counter is like, "Oh yeah, that gentleman already uh, took care of it." And then he turns, and it reminded me that scene in the taxi cab in a taxi cab in taxi driver when De Niro's in the taxi cab just staring at that woman through the window. And he, you know, Nick Nolte looks, and there's De Niro again staring out his car window right at them. Um, and then later on, when the P.I. is, is uh, what do you call it when a, he loses? Tail,
1: tailing him?
0: Ta- not tailing. So when you're tailing someone, but then they catch on to you. What is that called? When you get made. Get made. That's right. So when the P.I. gets made in the diner, he goes to pay. And the waitress is like, oh, no, that guy took care of it. And he, was like, he was like, I didn't order yet. And he's like, Oh, that guy ordered for you and paid for it. What a power move. Like, okay, next time I'm like, really freaking mad at someone. I'm just going to pay for their meal and see how they like it. I mean, I hope you get mad at me.
1: <laughs> what I thought was even more of a power move. Cause I agree both of those were, but the scene where uh, Nolte is watching the three guys try and beat up Max Katie and he, he just destroys them and, I thought was possibly going to kill one of those guys. He, they, he keeps calling out cause he, Nick Nolte like made a noise and he's like, counselor, counselor, are you there? And he's walking over. And then he's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. And starts walking away. And it's because that wasn't the punishment he envisioned for him. He's like, I could kill you right now. I could have killed you whenever I want, mm-hmm. but that's not what I want. I want you to suffer. I want you to watch me do horrible things to your family. And then I'm going to kill you. And so it was such like a, a mind F of like, I'm not going to give you the easy way out. I know you're there and I can come get you, but I'm not doing it.
0: So this is definitely a film where you see De Niro in a, in a totally different light. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I watch an actor perform and I know it's this actor, but they get so into their role that... I don't recognize the, the actor anymore. And even though De Niro never stopped looking like De Niro, the accent, you know, I don't think in any other movie, De Niro has ever done this Southern twang of an accent. And just the, the viciousness of the character. He just, sometimes I just forgot I was watching De Niro. I, I just like, yeah, this is just a guy named Max.
1: In a lot of movies that De Niro acts in, he's kind of acting like sort of a normal guy. So you just sort of see De Niro in him. You know, some people may even say like he's just been playing himself. Um, But he has this charisma about him and this, this just natural ability to be interesting when you're watching him. But this is like a character actor performance. He like went into Mm -hmm. a role, a specific thing that he did and he does it so well. And so it's like, You can't kind of question his abilities when he's able to do something like this that's like totally menacing and just perfectly done you know what one thing i and it's one thing but it's multiple things on this one thing there seems to be like a lot of red herrings purposely put in this movie for example um you know, he, he meets uh, Max Katie meets Danielle and as her drama teacher and then tells her who he is. And they share that very, very uncomfortable kiss. Cause she's like actually 16. And at this point he's like 42. Um, and then, you know, she, she goes to the houseboat with her parents and he gets on the houseboat and he's like, Danielle, did you get that book I gave you? Cause she found a book and you you're, you're kind of wondering a little bit like, oh, well, is she still into him? Because ever since, you know, she met him as a drama teacher, she's like, you know, dad, why are you acting like this? He didn't force himself on me. And, you know, maybe I was into it, basically. And um, you're kind of wondering like, oh, is she still going to still going to be into him? But then it, it really wouldn't make logical sense because like she's, this guy clearly killed her housekeeper that she had a close relationship throughout the film and this other guy. So like, she clearly sees that he's now a murderer, so it's kind of this, like you have this scene where they have this moment, and then he comes in and in the end. You're like, oh, maybe, she, maybe she. And she tries to play it off, but I think Juliet Lewis plays a 16 year old so perfectly because she doesn't, when she was 16, but I mean, she plays it as if someone who doesn't know how to act. You know what I mean? Like she didn't. Yeah. It wasn't an actress playing that part. It was just a 16 year old who's been put in this horrible situation who's trying to pretend like, yeah, mass murderer, murderer and rapist. I'm, I'm into you. And, but, but it's like so clearly obvious she's not. Mm-hmm. So it's like obvious, like it makes so much sense that she got nominated for this. Cause she, she played it
0: so yeah. well. No, I mean, she, she played the hell out of this role. I, I agree with you with the red herrings. It's so neat. I just use that word carelessly, I guess, but it, cool beans yeah cool cool Nito, the the setup and the payoffs are like you said red herrings they're they they do not come as you expect it to so another one is
1: you, unless you want to go then you can actually continue it seems like you're trailing off but go
0: well now i'm curious on what you wanted to say i have three more red herrings <laughs> does anything have to do with the boiling water no okay so real quick in the scene that you're talking about where Juliette Lewis is acting, you know, flustered and it's like, yeah, you know, I'm into you. And then she takes the pot of boiling water and throws it on his face. You're thinking at this point, like, Oh yeah. Like how awesome is that? She's just th- like totally tricked him through the water on his face. And now he probably has like third degree burns all over his body. But, the movie stayed true to the timing of everything because Jessica Lange just put the water on the stove. So between that time and the time and up to when she threw it on Katie's face, there is no way that that water would have gotten hot enough to boil. And so when she threw it on him, it was like a bit warm and he seemed a bit agitated about it. But then it was like, uh what was the point of that and then the like it was, oh, refre- it was like refreshing <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then the oh shit looks on on the mom and the daughter's face were like damn that should have worked
1: probably should have heated up a little more the 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 couple other ones that i saw is um the second night that they're sort of staking out uh Nick nolte's own house hoping Max will come in he Nick nolte wakes up in the middle of the night and's like <sighs> and the wife's like what what what's happening she's like he, get, he says, I know how he killed the dog.
0: And then you never, that never comes up again. I was just going to ask you, David, if you could explain to me what he meant by that, please tell me. I, I know,
1: uh, no clue. I, like, and it's also just like going back to this PI being horrible. He strings up this one section of windows <laughs> in this huge effing house. And then he just sneaks into like the garage door apparently
0: Okay like so nice. you got you got that too right because every time the maid came in it sh- cuz I kind of watched so I watched this movie and then right away as soon as the movie ended um for an entirely different reason I watched like the first 15 minutes of it again just to kind of connect two things that I want to bring up here in a second but you see that when every time that the maid first of all the maid has like this unknown driver which at first I was like, oh, is that him? Like, it, did he get a sort of job to like drive her to the house every day? And then when Juliet Lewis and the maid go inside, every time they do this, they have like a ritual, they like bring the garbage in or, or whatever. The garage door is always open. And so at that moment I was like, oh, same, same as you. And I'm, I'm curious if that's how you got to the conclusion. That the garage door is how he always got in
1: no i got to the conclusion of like we never got a payoff for like how he's sneaking into this house because clearly he is and you know he snuck in and got the piano wire he killed the dog he the the scene where he is the maid first of all that's not de niro's voice doing the maid when that guy first walks in Nope, which is really like an interesting choice to do it that way but when he turns because I heard, I heard the maid talk, and I was like, okay, it's just the maid, and maybe he's going to come up in some other way. But when he turns, that's probably, thinking out loud, we're working this out together, that's probably why he did the maid's voice, so it would be much more of a surprise when De Niro turns in a wig and just murders that dude.
0: So not only is it, is it the maid's, or the actress who plays the maid's voice, but it's actually the actress. I had to rewind and pause at the minute where she turns and it is her. And so I was thinking like, okay, so as soon as she goes off screen, and then as soon as De Niro shows up and it's her, exactly like 12 seconds go by. And I'm like, he would have had to kill her, change into her clothes, and as her body like drop to the floor because he's choking her out with the piano wire, All this has to elapse in a time of 12 seconds for that to be pulled off. You're doing
1: an awful lot of like calculations in this movie about how warm the water can be and how, I think the point of it, it was De Niro that whole time, but he was doing a voice. And then I tried to look at that
0: too when he turned,
1: but I was like, ah, it could be him, it could be her.
0: No, it's definitely her, but, but you know, I think you're right. I think Scorsese used her just to get the audience in that element of surprise, but film logic, it was supposed to be him the entire time.
1: Right. The other, the other one, uh, in the beginning, um, his daughter says to, uh, Danielle says to Nick Nolte, you know, that guy that was smoking in the theater, why don't you just beat him up? And he's like, Oh, I should have just beat him up. She's like, you used to box and we get absolutely no sign whatsoever that Nick Nolte knows how to defend himself or anyone else. Like, I guess you can assume that Max Cady is basically the Terminator because he seems unkillable. Mm-hmm. But Nick Nolte does like almost nothing mm-hmm. besides like handcuff his foot to a rail so that he eventually drowns. But other yeah. than that, we get no signs that he's athletic or a fighter
0: whatsoever. Well, no, that's not quite true because we do get he's athletic because of that whole squash scene when he's playing with, with that woman. Um, so, I mean, I've played racquetball,
1: which is basically the same thing with people who are like in their 60s. So like, that's not proof of anything.
0: Okay, And you're not that athletic yourself. So yeah, I get, you get your point
1: with it. At one point I was. The, the other thing that I thought was one of these at, at the beginning was he really doesn't want his wife to know that he's playing racquetball with this woman. It's like so odd because it's like, why would she care that you're just playing racquetball? And the woman's even like, nothing's happened between us. And then you find out it's because he cheated on her before. And it's like, now it makes sense. Like, that he does not want her to know that he is around
0: other women ever. Yeah, well, you know, speaking of the wife and payoffs that never really get, um, or sorry, setups that never really get a payoff. It's a very, very weird scene uh, where she, like, wakes up in the middle of the night. And this is before she sees Katie on the wall. She wakes up in the middle of the night and she, like, puts lipstick on. And then... She sees Katie and wakes up her husband and she, like, wipes the lipstick off and it's this weird, like, she's standing in front of a three-sided mirror. It's just, I think that point, it got very David Lynch. And I was just, for the longest time, curious on, like, how is this, is she crazy? How How is this tying into the, the story at all? It's just, like, this five-minute scene of her putting on like a full face of makeup at like four in the morning. It just, it made no sense. And it bothered me. Yeah.
1: I mean, her character is very hysterical in like a classical horror sense. And she's there just to add to the dread. Cause I mean, the the story is basically just the classical Nick Nolte versus this evil guy. Um, and so, yeah, her, her character is, is just there to add to like the hysteria and the horror
0: of the movie and it worked because because it worked on me so all in all it's it's a cool movie um i don't i don't think it's i've ever quite experienced a film to that degree with with so many like genre mixes and and political points that are trying to be said and the the kind of the plots twists and turns that it takes it's a very one-of-a-kind movie
1: yeah i absolutely agree it's it's just there's so many little little moments in the movie like the fact that this is a remake and originally gregory peck was the star of the movie and then he plays that defense lawyer who represents max katie you know that's just so interesting i love how scorsese does stuff like that I saw on IMDb that his parents once again are in this movie and then like when I was watching it the second time I was like, "Oh, there they are at the fruit stand." Obviously that score, I played the score for my wife and she's like, "You tried to get me to watch this movie?" Yeah. And she's just like, "That alone is so horrifying. It's like one of the most iconic like score songs from a movie and it's actually the title of it is just Max Katie because that's what plays when you see him and it just builds this mystique of him." So it, wow. upon rewatch i got so much more out of this that i obviously will watch it again because it's just so good to me
0: yeah I, it, it's an incredible film it, it's one of those where it doesn't come off as a scorsese uh you know originally Yeah, not um, at all because uh, you know when you think of scorsese you think oh gangster films or you know, taxi driver, kind of like these little slice of life films. Even nowadays you have Wolf of Wall Street. This film... Yeah, not it, like horror, yeah, horror no.
1: genre films. No, nah, not really.
0: No, I mean, the the only film that this was like closely made to in in essence of like the timeline of this movie was Goodfellas. And this is about as far away from Goodfellas as you can get. This is about as far away from... Um, What's, what's that uh, Christian Bale Scorsese movie? American Hustler?
1: That's David O. Russell, I think. American Hustle is not Scorsese. Is it
0: not Scorsese? Are you no. sure? I really thought it was Scorsese. No.
1: It is similar, though, to Shutter Island, though. That's another example of him doing... Is that right Scorsese? Motherf- well, thanks for listening. I finally watched Cape Fear. I'm David. And I'm Milan, and we'll see you guys next time. Later.